0: Welcome everyone on this new episode of Let's Talk AI, super happy to be here with Leon Gordon. Leon, how are you doing?
1: Absolutely fantastic, thank you. Thank you very much for having me here with you as well today. It's an absolute pleasure.
0: I'm super happy to have you on the show. I have many questions. For everyone tuning in, Let's Talk AI, we discuss with experts and professionals in the field of data and AI. And today we're going to learn more about you, Leon, and uh, you have quite an impressive record. So... Um, can't wait to dive into it. Maybe
1: for the people who might not know you, could you maybe introduce yourself in a few words? Absolutely. I'll try to keep this brief. So as you mentioned, my name is Leon Gordon, CEO and founder of a UK-based data analytics and AI AI consultancy called Onyx Data. Outside of that, I'm also a Microsoft Data Platform MVP and a regular contributor to Forbes as part of the Forbes Tech Council.
0: As that's Uh, Very concise. uh, Very clear. All right. So the two first questions that I always like to go about is um, as of today, what are you trying to achieve? What are you working on? What is your mission? Do you have? It can be anything, but can you share with us uh, the state of the art of Leon Garden?
1: Absolutely. And it's quite interesting when whenever that question comes up, the, the first thing that comes to mind, probably because of my generation and of what we were raised on is is global domination. So you may remember Pinky in the Brain. Um, it's a it's a very um, familiar animation that I grew up with in terms of a cartoon. And whenever I hear that question, it's, it's the first thing that, that, that comes to mind because of that. Now, to put that into context, what, what does that mean? Obviously I don't want to take over the world. What I want to do in terms of domination is turn data and AI and analytics into one of the dominant drivers across the globe. Okay. Now by doing that, we offer consulting services. So this is where members of our expert team actually partner with businesses to introduce them, help them leverage data analytics and AI technologies and go on a journey to becoming more data driven. Now, outside of that, one of my passions is to enable individuals who don't have maybe, um, the right paths available to them to actually get into data. Okay. So I want to have a dominant force across the globe of people that have been able to start careers, pivot into new opportunities, uh, via data as well. So that's, that's what I mean when I refer to world domination. Awesome. Love it.
0: Uh, And if I'm not mistaken, you have quite an interesting start in data and AI. So I'd love to hear more about um, a retrospective of what you've been doing since you got into data and maybe before. If I'm not mistaken, you started your career as a footballer. So if we could have some sneak peeks of that time and how you got into data, and then maybe the main steps of your career to being the CEO of your company um, that have this outstanding mission.
1: Absolutely. So like you mentioned, Thomas, it's been a very varied um, entry into the field. For me, generally, when you look in in, in the in the industry of data analytics and AI, uh, a lot of top performers and a lot of um, people that, that sit at all levels across the industry have been to um, university, are highly trained and certified in, in this field. Now, unfortunately or fortunately for me, um, I, when I left uh, secondary school in the UK, I went straight into a contract um for for football which meant that football became my day-to-day job um, and it means that I sidestepped a path to the university which is fantastic in the fact that I didn't get into any student debt um, but obviously not as fantastic in the fact that I'm no longer a footballer either um so how did that transition into the world of data analytics and AI Excuse me. So um, ever since I was young, I've always had an interest um, in computing and this is quite an interesting story. So there was a, a game that's still available now. Uh, in those days, it was called Championship Manager. In these days, it's called Football Manager. Although it's it's the same product, uh, just their their transition, uh, their journey led to it having two different names. Now, um, to to play this game um, from the Amiga days, it was it was available on a floppy disk, which was fantastic. Um, but to transition into a PC, you had to have a CD drive. Now, unfortunately, and I'm showing my age here in the days of 286s, 386s, and four eight six processors, I, I, I couldn't afford a, a CD drive. So it was a natural hurdle for me to become more interested in how I build out PCs, how I continue to program. And this led to a natural progression to me being more interested in, in all things computing as a technologist. Now that kind of carried on throughout my, throughout my lifespan, but in a, Definitely in a backseat towards um, the football and the more athletic um, discussion. Now, once we figured out that, that football wasn't going to continue to be a professional path for me, um, I looked at how I could transition into this path. Um, fortunately for me, I landed on a temporary data engine. Sorry, data entry role I IT engineering there this was some some time further so data entry role um really i was just a bum on the seat as a temp it was supposed to be for for a small time period delivering this project but i was actually able to to upskill myself in the background and and provide a bit more value value and how i achieved this was i was doing um time in motion studies on myself, entering the data and reporting back directly to um, our, our managers at the time in terms of how long I felt it was going to be until I completed each of these different scenarios and potentially ways that we could look to optimize and make these more and more efficient. Um, long story short, that led to me moving into a permanent role in their reporting team uh, and being trained up in in TSQL and, and, and SQL alongside some legacy, um, systems are uh, very much, um, command line driven systems, which I wouldn't want to refer back to, um, today, but that, that sparked my hunger, um, to, to go and self-learn. I'm somebody that's always, um, been happy to start at the bottom and, and kind of make my own rise to the, to, or close to the top, shall we say of any, of any industry, mm. um, so again, relying on very much upskilling um, in, my, in my downtime, I was able to go ahead and, and get some relevant certifications in the field and then look to maximize job opportunities by going into Specific roles at, at new organizations that led me to increase my skill set. Long story short, that led me after 10 years or so to 2019, um, where I was able to then be in a position to start and launch Onyx Data, my own company, and grow fairly steadily over the course of the initial um, three years. Now, this led to uh, myself being headhunted by a larger um, global consultancy to join their their leadership team uh, alongside seven existing partners. Unfortunately for me, um, I was there for, for 12 months or fortunately, I should say. Um, and I realized that I really thrive um, being able to make my own decisions um, and, and carve my own route for an organization as opposed to one that's already uh, in flight um, from that perspective. So, six or seven months ago now, we relaunched Onyx Data, and this is where we are today, uh, speaking of UTIMAS.
0: Awesome. That's a very interesting journey. Um, there are many ways to go from there. Um, I think one of the top of mind questions that I have for you is um, you mentioned a little bit your mission at the beginning. Uh, you mentioned that you joined a bigger consulting, but you thrive better um, with your own things. So why why go back to being on your own? And like, does that relate to the mission that you have? Do you feel like you can reach your mission faster on your own? Or is it because... Um uh, another reason and like how do you see entrepreneurship in general? Um meaning so you started as a footballer, you've been doing different things. Um how do you see entrepreneurship um and like challenges in general? How do you tackle them? And uh <laughs> this is many questions, but maybe uh maybe you can have a one answer for all these
1: uh, things. Absolutely, I'll try and break that down a little bit. So, first and foremost, it's probably worthwhile me saying that whilst I am um, alone as a leader at Onyx Data, I have a fantastic team that I've been able to build around me. Um, so, I wouldn't I wouldn't call myself alone at the moment. Mm. Now, to go into a bit more detail in terms of why I feel um, moving back to Onyx was a, was a great decision for me, um, it really comes down to. Um, I have uh, an ethos of, of at least core foundational structures that I believe work in in this ecosystem and that will propel an organization um, to be able to scale um, and and scale without me is a key point to that. Um, in other scenarios, I, I didn't feel this was the same. I didn't feel that I could contribute for the attributes that I was actually brought in to do. So that's a key differentiator there. I'm not against working... Uh, in large organizations, I'm not against working in in team-based um, or group-based scenarios at all. This was just a, a scenario that didn't work for me at this moment in time. Now, with that being said, it, it takes you back to entrepreneurship, like you mentioned. Now, yeah. every day is a challenge for an entrepreneur. And we deal with everything from account management, marketing, uh, business development, Admin, finances, um, bonuses, recruitment the the list the list is the list is endless. HR, um, it's it's endless. Plus, being technologists as well means we have to stay up to date with the latest technology um, and delivery of these to a, to a certain extent. So, yes, without a doubt, it's very 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 challenging. Um, but I also enjoy being um, the master of my own destiny, so so to speak, to a certain extent. So it's a very, it's not for everybody is the, is the way to, is the way to put this, you have much, many more, um, challenging days than you do have many more days where you're on top of the world, um, for the entrepreneurs at the top of the game, um, then they, they get to the point where it's many more, um, beneficial days and positive days, but on that road that people don't see behind the scenes is lots and lots of challenges but personally um i don't think at this moment in time i'd have it any other way Hmm. interesting all right coming
0: back to onyx um so you're a company uh that's an ai driven solutions for your clients um so could you share maybe how do you provide value to clients let's say let's say you meet a new client they have a specific kind of business. They are not really up to date with their data and AI use cases. And they want to uh, ask you to help them go on this journey. So how would that go about, like, how do you identify value? How do you onboard them? How do you make sure they fit your values of the company? I, I would be super interested in interested in the process of um, providing value. How do you go about providing value
1: to clients? Absolutely. So we have a bespoke methodology um, for in, in terms of how we approach these engagements with our clients, but I can give you um, an overview, so to speak. Yeah. the key um, the key for for anyone in, in in this with this remit is listening. Um, it's key to understand in detail um, what the clients want because nine times out of 10, and I'm sure my clients will agree with this as well, is that the clients have um, a thought process in terms of what they, they think they need at the moment. But generally, once you dig down underneath that, the, the use cases and and, and, and the actual projects that get put into place um, can, can definitely be different. So what we tend to do is at least at an executive level, get the executive team um, together to define what the goals are for the organization. Now generally this is, this, is, or, this is already defined. Everybody knows the, the process and what they're looking to achieve from a business um, from a business objective perspective. Now what that does is that enables us to have agreements uh, across the leadership team the direction that we're going. Now the key then is how do we use data or AI? to then uh, empower those goals to be to be completed in a time efficient manner now this might be a specific project so one example of this is uh, an organization that wants to grow their net profit by by 5% um, in the next year okay fantastic let's go and speak to your sales and marketing team Let's go and understand how we're currently using data across the organization. Is it all internal data, third-party data? Let's look at process optimizations. Let's look at projects that have worked previously or maybe haven't worked currently. And we do this across all departments. And then what we do is highlight use cases. Uh, We go into a bit more detail. We actually document this based on... um, a survey of of questions looking really at data management, governance, quality, et cetera. And then we apply weightings and scorings to each of these values, okay? We then look at um, which projects should take priority uh, based on the goals of the organization. And we come to agreements with our clients in terms of which is gonna be the best route forward for them in line with their their goals and opportunities. Obviously we work out budgets and costings um, and also risks in taking um, these projects on board and again, apply these weightings uh, and then give back a defined roadmap to the organization in terms of priorities of these projects. And then further, we then start to look, at, obviously, technologies that underpin this as well. So it's fairly extensive, um, but, ob- but always in line with the business objectives.
0: I see. Makes sense. And so just to linger a little bit on on this aspect of adding value. Um, So do you, when you define a roadmap, again, like speaking generally, I don't want uh, you to reveal all the secret sauce of your company, but when you define out a roadmap, use cases, when you weigh out um, the impact of the use case compared to the difficulty of the use case, maybe to enhance because the client may be... uh, Might not have the tech stack appropriated for like specific things. Um, How do you how do you go about delivering fast something impactful just so that you gain trust, but also not doing things too fast so that it accumulates on a technical debt or that uh, maybe the customer. Getting used for you to de- deliver too fast, uh, and not understanding that this is like um, very very fast delivery. Like, do you have do you have things uh, regarding this aspect of delivering fast to like gain confidence versus a very well defined roadmap that is uh, more in the time horizon? But maybe the clients will doubt through time if we don't see results too
1: fast. Absolutely. So, the, the, the way to answer this, I believe, is that we do and we don't. So, there's two approaches. One being that really um, quick route to market, which is generally proof of concepts. So, this is a scoped piece of work with a client. Excuse me. A scoped piece of work, work with a client that's very short term. The key here is to drive value um, and define that value in the space of time, and that the client understands what they're going to get. And the value they're going to receive from a proof of concept um, generally like i say we break this down so it becomes very tangible whether it's just broken down by a limited amount of data or a limited departmental scope or reporting scope or ai driven scope in an organization so that's one approach that we that we take outside of that in terms of a bigger roadmap, then we work with it being transparent with the client um, to understand their appetite to risk. Um, so with, with quick routes to market, there can potentially um, be risks associated with that and with leveraging new technologies, open AI being one of those technologies we're still hearing um, on a daily basis of clients that, that, are at, that are identifying areas they hadn't previously anticipated when adopting um, open AI, for example. So we ensure that we're very transparent in terms of this roadmap. Then, as I mentioned, because we apply weightings to each of these different projects, priorities in line with business objectives, we have a very holistic view um, at the board level to then reply back and say, okay, if we take these into phase one, for example, this will be where we're going to land. If you want to achieve the next phase, then this is what we envisage you should bring into that tech snack at this point. And so it becomes a very journey driven approach. And again, if the client is open to, to risk, um, then we're happy to introduce that as long as we're transparent about what that risk looks like and how we're going to mitigate that as part of the journey.
0: Hmm. Interesting. It feels like you really, when you realize this audit of the, of the client, you really quantify a lot of factors and you're really playing the card of transparency so that the client can just make the best informed decision. And so that um, the plan is fixed and we can always go to this contract uh, that was set at the beginning. I mean, this is obvious, but I always like to uh, listen to things. It's just a great reminder. Uh, Not obvious in a way that um, (laughs) not every company does it, but uh, when we hear it, we're like, yeah, makes sense, makes sense. Uh, But I think it's a good... um, standards to to apply. Awesome. Uh, I, I can see on your LinkedIn that you have different metrics that you showcase um, uh, of value that you uh, improve uh, the um, the impact that you had on, on specific clients of yourself. One of them is a 50% increase in data literacy. Another of them is a 15% reduction in library costs. So I'd love to hear about those metrics. Um, and like how concretely it's uh, impacting the clients or maybe what kind of use cases um, that you've seen um, have really improved the businesses of clients. So that would be a first part. I'll I'll just uh, come back to that, but also I'd love to hear about data literacy um, in itself. So which way do you prefer to go? Do you want to first go to the data literacy or would you prefer to go metrics and delivering use cases that had a a tremendous impact on client's
1: business. Let's go with data literacy first, because I think it will then feed into um, some of the metrics that that we're discussing. So um, what we tend to find, so we work a lot in in Europe and and the Middle East as well. And what we tend to find in a lot of our organizations, we generally between small to medium businesses is where we sit uh, in terms of our, our clients that we partner with. And everybody is able to use Excel to a certain extent from that perspective. Everybody's aware of the likes of ChatGPT uh, and other AI driven tools and solutions. And there's become this really big gap um, or gray area for organizations um, that, that may be afraid to maybe scared of 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 how to leverage these newer technologies and also some that just don't want to uh move away from excel is what they know they they're they're resistant to change and 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 that's okay now where we step in and where we find um data literacy and really driving data-driven cultures across organizations is removing um speaking to people in, in in a natural tongue, shall we say, um, and removing some of these myths around these technologies and the fact that you have to be a data scientist to be able to use Python and Excel uh, or R or all of these other statistical-driven models. And really by removing a lot of this um, gray area's ambiguity and focusing in, uh, again, from a transparent perspective in terms of, okay, this is the reason the organization wants to move into a data-driven world. We're generating uh, petabytes, more data um, per day in this industry, for example. And what we want to do is enable our team to be better with data, more efficient, able to, to handle, process this, and obviously be compliant in a governed way as well. When you take that approach with with employees, leaders within your organization, straight away, it breaks down the barriers. People aren't scared of losing their jobs to this technology. Uh, they become more welcoming of change. I wouldn't say it, it, it eliminates um, everybody being being scared of change. It doesn't. But you start to get everybody on a journey. And what I found and what we found with our, with our clients and that we partner with is that that's one of the biggest barriers to remove, okay? Is understanding that, okay, and you may be familiar with this Thomas, especially in this in this country, we have silos of people that will have Excel spreadsheets with macros in them um, that they've harvested for themselves for the last 10 years. And they feel that if they hand that over to anybody else, um, they're going to lose their jobs. And the company feels that if they remove that from the organization, processes are going to break down and frameworks are going to break down as well and that's not a great place to be in right it's we want to share knowledge we want to share process efficiencies and we want people to be able to grow within organizations and this is what we help them to understand becoming more literate in terms of the risks of of those type of scenarios um, and becoming more efficient by automating those processes um, from that perspective as well. So that's how we we really start to look at data literacy. Now, going into those metrics, like you mentioned earlier, how do we how do we guarantee that we bring value to the clients? Well, we understand, like I've mentioned before, key areas. We baseline um, how they're performing now. Whether this is how long tasks are taken. In some industries, this is down to the amount of fines that the organisations are receiving due to not 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 um appeasing certain um certain what's the word I'm looking for legalities as well within their industry uh, and for some this may be the fact that they're able to generate more revenue using data we've been able to help our, some of our clients build products with their data for example and serve their clients data via an api that they previously hadn't even envisaged being able to to share externally, so we then use these metrics to be able to show how we've been able to increase uh, and been beneficial to our clients. Hmm. Do
0: you have a specific way to like measure those aspects? Like when you do the the first audit of the clients, when you do the weights and so on, do you have ways to measure or estimate? our client have this score of data literacy and you go back and measure it through time to make sure of the progress that the client is doing? Do you have things, processes like that, if I may ask, and this is not confidential, of course
1: absolutely so we like i mentioned we we perform baselines at the point at the point of the project starting and then we measure this throughout the process enabling so and if 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 in any example we weren't able to hit some of the figures that we that we've quoted we'll be very upfront around that in terms of this being a risk and why we feel this is a risk and what we can put in place to to overcome that um i wouldn't say it's something we can estimate before a project starts at least not in nine times out of 10, um, the projects that we've delivered. It's something that, that we take a baseline for and then measure, um, throughout the project. Oh, I see. Awesome. All right. Coming back to my
0: second pass that you choose to go, uh, first with, the literacy part, data literacy. Um, I'm just going to rephrase it differently in terms of use cases, state of the art, like in the last months. What use cases have you seen that have had the most impact on businesses? Can you talk a little bit about, um, about this and have some examples for us?
1: Absolutely. So we've actually got a customer success story, which will be coming, um, coming out very shortly. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep all of the names and details outside of it for the, for the time being. Uh, but what we've been able to deliver on the brand new technology Microsoft Fabric is a real-time analytics streaming solution, which has hot and cold um, data paths uh, for an organization that again, they're then serving this information as, as a platform for their existing client base. So what this has enabled them to do is be able to have telemetry data um, streamed in real time, analytics and ag- and aggregations put on top of that data, and then report this out to to their client base. Now, where we've been able to add more value is to make this a robust architecture. Uh, this this particular client has ambitions to scale um, fairly largely over the course of the next year, from into into tens of thousands of users, and we've also been able to then build out a cold environment based on the medallion architecture where they have um, a gold layer of data available for then business intelligence, self-service analytics solutions, and potentially even data sets being made um, available to to, to their clients off the back of that as well. We have a few phases um, remaining on, on this work where we'll be looking at using the likes of co-pilots, QA, um, virtual agent chatbots as part of this um, process as well. But this has been massively beneficial um, to our client. Previously, um, he was actually holding a lot of this together himself, working on different virtual machines and tweaking um, Python scripts all over the place um, in the background, which didn't, equate to a very good user experience for for his clients and obviously it kept him very busy trying to ensure the uptime of of this solution um, data quality um, and how robust the data being delivered was as well so we were able to understand this in the first point of call build out um, a new architecture um, actually in this scenario we actually audit it against a couple of other architectures as well before um, deciding on the right one for this fit and then we were able to go and execute and deliver um, the, the end-to-end build of this solution um, off the back of that as well
0: awesome um medallion architecture i'll ask you about that mesh soon <laughs> uh so I would assume like some visualization tools, and uh, you mentioned incorporate uh, implementing uh, copilots uh, so that we can do fun, user friendly interaction with some SQL databases or things like that. Uh, streaming process that goes live. Um, I have the feeling that you mainly onboard clients for long term projects and that you don't lose time just delivering some proof of concepts or at least not this is not the intention to like do you try to most of the time build big projects like this I mean this is kind of an obvious question I guess because in terms of um finances it uh it should be uh, more interested uh, to have long-term relationship with clients and be able to deliver higher impacts
1: and higher value through time but do you want to comment on this absolutely so to be clear we don't hold our clients to any particular agreement what we offer is is three different phases of service the bottom of that being training so generally training on microsoft data platform solutions these can be anything from a day to multiple days worth of training and upskilling following on from that the next phase is we we also offer consulting services so this is really that advisory execution service of technical projects or really just resource um, augmentation just expanding their team with with our expertise and at the top level of this as i mentioned before is that data strategy um, level where we sit with the executive team and really define that roadmap. Now, what you'll envisage is that it works from the top down. So we can define the, the roadmap and strategy. If the client wants us to, we can also go ahead and execute that. And then in turn, we can train and upskill um, their staff as well from that perspective. But through all of this, we don't tie any of our clients into, okay, you have to work with us in, in the future. As I mentioned, our goal is to, is to bring data um, analytics and AI to organizations and empower them to then be able to leverage this themselves if they need to. Obviously uh, we're happy to support if necessary, but to answer the initial question, we're, we're more than happy to do proof of concepts um, if it brings value to, to that client.
0: Awesome. Makes sense. Um, may, may I ask you about data mesh, um, uh, media and architecture? Uh, From your experience, how effective are those architectures for the clients? Well, maybe if we can define a little bit the architecture itself, uh, first of all, I would go about like decentralized data in the organization so that we can manage better the governance and the access and the use cases and that it is not... um, siloed but i would love to hear your uh, definition and vision and um so going from this perspective what are the pros that you've seen like how did these architectures impacted in a positive way clients whereas compared to what they had previously it made a, a very clear um 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 Using metrics that it is the the way to go. And what are the cons? Uh, what are the bad aspects of it, maybe like limitations, uh, client understanding the concepts and so on. Can you share on this?
1: Absolutely. So let's start with the benefits. Okay. So one thing I will say, uh, everybody knows that we're a Microsoft um, consultancy, and Microsoft Fabric um, is a fantastic domain, even though in its in, in its infancy, to to build out data mesh platforms. Um, on we're seeing this in in across our client conversations. Really being able to um, lock down domain-specific information um, with business users, but then also be able to serve this centrally—the um, data that's required for more um, global operations within an organization, as opposed to being department-specific. Um, this really lends itself really well to, to Fabric. So let me go ahead and, and point this out. Now, some of the some of the cons um, to, to this approach is the complexities. Um, the the change in thinking for organizations in terms of how to approach this and it can become high risk right so um, if for example you haven't really defined that culture you don't have everybody on board for this journey then data mesh really um, is dependent on um, domain specific uh, knowledge uh, and ownership of processes and then feeding into that that centralized um, um business structure as well so if you have any of that um that process falling down it can it can in turn take out the whole data mesh scenario so i think those are the biggest cons i see to this approach and generally we see um larger clients more receptive to to going down this route as opposed to the smaller ones Hmm. awesome um awesome I like to go on the
0: Microsoft MVP and uh, Forbes Technology Council. So, um, those are two uh, titles I would call them. Maybe you, you can you can give it a, a different name, a different name. But um, how how did you achieve? Uh, how did you get these achievements? What uh, was required to get them? Can you share a little bit this journey? And um, I think. It, it, right after uh, i'd love to hear more about also how your organization um, is contributing to helping people um, getting in the field uh, the mission of your company um, like the 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 challenges that you do every month maybe so i i'd love to go on this also your community and so on but um, just
1: before i would love to know about the those two titles Absolutely. So um, the Microsoft MVP title, let's start there. So um, being a Microsoft MVP uh, means that we're recognized for our expertise and leadership within within the community. So um, I've been aware of the MVP program for a number of years now, since my early days um, in TSQL. It was something that I hadn't really um hopefully it doesn't sound wrong I hadn't really aspired to because I thought it was always outside of the reach of of, of people um, similar to myself um, so with that being the case like I mentioned my core foundation and I believe in community driven activities as being the best way to learn upskill network everything that comes with these type of scenarios so I tried to put that in play and it's something that I leveraged a lot in terms of how I was able to upskill through my career so as part of this like you've mentioned and we'll go on to discuss shortly in terms of the challenges we have a data dna community i also have a microsoft uh, it used to be power bi uk community it's now microsoft fabric uk community whereby we have around uh, fifteen thousand members in that community currently and we've recently just started the bletchley park uh, microsoft ai user group as well which is an in-person community from that perspective now um, what happens is Microsoft awards um, individuals for empowering communities, delivering technical talks, um, documentation, articles, etc. And I was very fortunate that a current serving MVP thought that I would, I would, um, I would achieve this award if I was nominated. So, one of the um, one of the key entry requirements for the MVP program is that another MVP has to nominate you. Um, so um, Pregatti Jane, thank you, um, she actually went ahead and, and nominated me and fortunately I was successful um, just over three years ago in being nominated uh, for that program. I would recommend it to, um, to anybody that wants to achieve these type of accolades. Uh, it's a fantastic program that enables us to feedback, work with the Microsoft product team and attend some fantastic events as well. Um, in terms of the Forbes tech council. Um, so again, a, a, a different, but, but very rewarding program of industry leading experts across, uh, various different, um, skill sets. Mine being data science and, and AI as part of this, and it enables us to contribute directly to expert panels, um, and to Forbes directly in, in technical articles and discussions as well. I believe I'm in my second year, um, as part of the fourth technological council at the moment. Awesome amazing
0: um do, did you want to add something sorry
1: i was just going to go into the second part of your question Thomas, in regards to the challenges and how we help community yeah um so as you mentioned roughly around two and a half years ago i believe now i started a a challenge called the data dna data set challenge now at a really high level what this is is that we give out a um a data set every month uh, for free to anybody to go ahead and visualize in any tool they would like, um, and then present that visualization of data back to the community with a guest judge to have an opportunity to win prizes. So every month we give away $300 worth of Amazon vouchers and around two and a half thousand dollars worth of goodies, eBooks, courses, things to aid um, people get into data. Now. We try to keep the barrier to entry really low. So we always give a single CSV table worth of data. So there's no need to go ahead and join and make it relational from that perspective. And what we found is this is a really easy entry-level uh, piece for people just getting involved in data, but also for seasoned and experienced professionals, it's a light touch, which means they don't have to go and build a whole new architecture in their environment, um, pipelines, etc. They can dive in, uh, enhance the data with third-party data if they would like to, and then present this back with an opportunity to win. Now, the keys that I found in this community, and again, we're around 14,000 members in in this community currently, is that the amount of creativity, enthusiasm, ingenuity um, that goes into the visualizations is is unreal. So if you imagine, um, we we, we roughly get about between 150 and 300 or so entries every month. Now, if you imagine the different spins that people put on a singular data set, for me, if I was taking part personally, being able to see how I've visualized the data and then being able to see 200 other variations just empowers my knowledge uh, and growth so quickly that we found it to be so beneficial um, to, to people trying to get into data or to pivot and, and improve their career and their portfolios. There's so many success stories. It's, it's been fantastic. Awesome, I love it. This, is,
0: I'll imagine one of these uh, next competitions because um, I feel like when we're in the data field, AI field, we 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 spend a lot of time with data, but in the end, data is made to take great informed decisions, and so these aspects of being able to enhance conclusions through data through a data set and just define the right KPIs, the right chart so that everyone can get on board to the next steps and uh, being creative on connecting this data to other to enhance further the value of whatever we're trying to achieve i feel that this is an exercise that is worth the time for any professionals even that are not really mm, with a data background because i feel that it just enhances the skills to reason and define good steps to reach a conclusion. Do you want to comment on that?
1: I, I, f- I firmly agree. And our January challenge is still currently open. So it's worthwhile noting that we run from the first of the month. Generally, for we're open for about three weeks. And then we uh, announce the, the winner on the last day of the month. And then we... Go again with the next challenge the following day. So um, there's no that it's very it's pretty relentless. But as I mentioned, I think it's so beneficial. You can build your portfolio um, on this. You can you can learn and ask people in the community how they've achieved a metric or or a visualization or how they've interpreted the data differently. Uh, and I I just think it's a great playground to go ahead and and learn, but also have the opportunity to win um, fairly big prizes as well.
0: Yeah, what are the prices? Just for the people who are listening. Also, I just want to comment: uh, if you're listening to this right now and you want to get into the competition, but you don't feel like going alone, reach out to me, and we'll go together, and we'll uh, and we'll see what we can do. So, um, so hit me up, and 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 we'll think about what uh, value we can provide. We put uh, we'll put all the resources in the in the description, of course. Um, but coming back to the prices, to maybe. Um, give some appetite to people out there.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So um, we all, every month, it's a $300 Amazon voucher uh, provided to the winner. And they also have the opportunity to win um, ebooks from Pact and over $2,500 worth of courses, um, memberships, etc. as well. So this, this is available to um, first place and the top four runners up so Mm -hmm. the top five and then we also have um different categories so for example we have the most creative head that gets a certificate we Mm -hmm. also get the out of the box thinker so somebody that went outside of the usual train of thought to deliver (laughs) a creative visual and there's there's a few more as well so we try to ensure that everybody gets recognized for different areas of their skill set um, as well, so that people that are novices and beginners can be welcomed and, and can still be, be, be a part of this.
0: Awesome. Is it full power BI?
1: It's open to every visualization tool. So, um, Python, Not- R, okay. Excel, okay. um, power BI, click. Mm-hmm. And if, if, if you can visualize data in it, we then, then you, then you can, you can enter huh. with it. Huh.
0: Have you seen some knowledge graphs?
1: We haven't actually had any knowledge graphs. Um, we Maybe tend,
0: it's to,
1: no. no, sorry, no. We, like I say, we're we're very much open. We've had everything from some very extensive Excel visualizations. Um, mm. We do get a lot of Python and R users as well. Um, the main basis is Power BI. We started off as a Power BI only competition mm. before mm. Uh, opening up the floodgates, so to speak. But like mm. I say, if you can visualize data in it, we're we're we're, we're open to it. Amazing.
0: Uh, Okay. Um, We're reaching kind of uh, almost the end. I have a few further questions. The the first one I would like to ask you briefly about social media, uh, about growing a community and personal branding. So this is something you've been doing quite successfully. Uh, Why did you start writing online? Why do you, like, how did you, how did you got started? And what are the benefits of it?
1: um it's a great question so i started a long time ago i probably started nearly 10 years ago um on my on my linkedin journey and there wasn't really um a strategy behind it in all honesty i think that networking in this in this um in this industry is is very key so i always wanted to connect with with like-minded people that were giving out relevant information and content i also felt that i had um at least in those early years, a lot more to contribute from a technical perspective. I probably don't spend as much time in the technical realm now um, as, as I used to, but I still try to contribute in terms of helping people get into the industry, discussing my challenges uh, and still having some technical um, speaking events um, every, every now and then as well. But I think that in today's day and age, Personal branding is fairly key um as somebody who I would say is, is is fairly introverted um in in historically it's it's a barrier it's a challenge to overcome as I mentioned I don't mind challenges and you have to step out of your comfort zone to find what works for you and what you enjoy doing and also to meet new people and get new opportunities um so i think it's definitely worthwhile doing again one of the reasons behind the data dna challenge is that people have the chance to build their portfolio put their skills out there's no reason you can't make a blog post that says what what i did was download the data dna data set challenge then I clean the data, transform the data, visualize the data, and my end analysis was this. Every month, that's a great piece of content that you can share underneath your personal brand. Um, and again, build out your portfolio to show prospective employers in, in the future. So the, the grand thinking behind this is to give um, people the tools that I thought weren't available or easily accessible as part of my journey and help them to overcome those hurdles. I think that being out there um, from a personal perspective has its benefits and its negatives um, as well. Um, you, you, there's there's lots of times you're not going to get everything right in an ever-evolving ever industry, but it's about um, being open to that, being open to learning, and then just sharing your perspective. Some people will like it and some people will love it. Other people uh, might not enjoy it and you don't have to follow it's not it's not a problem we're all on each journey but my key goal here is that each one teach one and lift someone else up and so that's what we really try to achieve when we go down these type of journeys in personal branding development and technical writing
0: awesome amazing um all right so i think um we'll jump right to the two last questions and then a little uh, quick message surprise um also, three questions, because I'm going to ask you afterward to ask a question to the next guest without oh, knowing who it's going to be. So any question that I need related, of course. Um, first of all, where can people know more about you, connect or read? Do you have a Substack, stack LinkedIn? Like where can people reach out or learn more about you?
1: Absolutely. LinkedIn is generally the best place. So you can find me, Leon Gordon, uh, directly on, on LinkedIn. Outside of that, please come and engage with our with, with our company, onyxdata.co.uk. This is where you can join community events like the Data DNA Challenge and find out more about the work that, that we do.
0: Awesome. Before I ask you the question for the next guest and adding a little message at the end, I'd love to... Um, Do you have a message for the Let's Talk AI community? So that can be any personal lesson that you've learned through your journey, um, anything that we discussed uh, in this episode or not.
1: Do you have a message? Absolutely. I think I'll, I'll keep it really short and it's just go for it. So, um, what you're learning today or the angle that you're approaching data analytics and AI from um, today may not be where you end up. Like my journey, um, starting off in, in data entry, going into TSQL warehousing building semantic models, cubes into AI, um, each different, um, step that you take will, will empower you and prepare you for the next phase. So just go for it. Don't look back. Um, you'll get things right. You'll get things wrong. Uh, but the key is just to keep progressing every day from that perspective. Amazing. All right. So
0: the no question for the next guest, um, to one of your peer out there without knowing who he or she is. Um, Do you have? um, Can you? Do you have a data or AI question that you'd be interested in hearing about?
1: I do, and I guess I I would have loved. I would love to some time to have thought this through. Um, The first thing that comes to mind because I've been discussing this um, outside of today's conversation is, and it is quite a direct question, um, but I think it should be at the forefront of these type of discussions at the moment. And so, the question would be: What are you doing to support? Um, the reduction of data, of, of AI biases and the the implementation of legislations. Mm.
0: Interesting. Okay, I'll have to put that one down for the next guest. Uh, that will be um, super interesting. Um, so that will be in the next episode, of course. Quick message of the end. Um, I want to thank you, Leon, for coming on the show, sharing uh, with us today and taking this time. Um big thank you for everyone who's still listening. Thanks a lot for supporting the show and uh being here on this long form content. Uh we know that those aren't the most sexy, but we feel that um this is where we learn the most and we can understand all the experts, all the type of profiles. So thanks for staying in. Uh until there, feel free if you like to subscribe uh, and join the community. Um Like we said about the challenge in this episode, uh, if you feel like going on um, alone or with me, we can go together, even though I think uh, contributions are alone, but I would love to collaborate and um, work with other people in the data field. That's all from my part. Thanks again, Leon, for coming on the show and I wish you to have to everyone
1: a wonderful day.